Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Online, I'm Jerry Peterson. I'm glad to be with you tonight. So thankful that Pastor Joe Soares allowed me to come speak to you tonight concerning a very important topic in the Bible, a really strong principle. Real quick, a little bit about me. I lived 33 years in Tulsa, Oklahoma, went to the same Bible school Pastor Joe did. I was there, though, in 1983, 1984, worked two years at Oral Roberts University, and then from there worked for 28 years at Victory Christian Center, pastored by Billy Joe and Sharon Doherty. 21 of those years, I was the director of Victory Fellowship of Ministries, oversaw about 1,000 ministers around the world, three to 400 churches and ministries and then moved to New Jersey, and we're doing some work now in Staten Island, and still traveling around the country at times preaching the gospel. So thank you, Pastor Joe, for this opportunity to speak the word here at New Beginnings. If you have your Bibles, you, want, you may want to get them out tonight, and uh, let's look at this, this topic that's very important to all of us. And if I put a title of this message tonight, it would be The Anointing of Increase. You know, there's different areas of our life that we need to increase in. Sometimes we need to have our health increased, our finances, our housing, lots of different places, even relationships, but there's an anointing of God, there's an empowerment by God that the Bible teaches that will bring supernatural increase into our lives. And that empowerment allows us to do things we couldn't do by ourselves. Now, before I go any further, I want you to understand that I understand that the most important thing in our lives is to be born again, that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. That is more important than anything else. But once we are born again, we're part of the family of God. And one of those important things to us is that we continue to increase in areas of our lives so we can be a blessing, not only to the body of Christ, but to the world. And God has shown us a principle in His Word that shows us how to increase. Anything God's involved in does increase, because He's a life-giving God. He gives life, and life means increase. A couple of scriptures I want us to look at this, tonight. Start in Psalm 115, verse 14 says, the Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. Me and my wife, we pray this every day, uh, concerning that we are not, not only increasing, but so are our children. And now we've taken a step further, even our grandchildren. So we see right here, the Lord wants us to increase more and more. There's no limitations to the increase He wants us to have in our lives. John 10.10 says, a thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The abundant life means we're going to be increasing, not just barely getting by, but having enough for not only our needs and our desires, but the needs and desires of other people as well, that we can be a blessing, like we said before, to the entire world. Now, this anointing of increase will bring things to you that you couldn't do yourself. I'll give you a couple of examples of my life before we get right into some more of the Bible and what the Bible has to say about this. Years ago, when I became the director of Victory Fellowship of Ministries, they brought me this old computer and said, here's a computer for your department, because I was the first director that that department ever had had. And I looked at it and said, no, thank you. They said, well, you don't have a computer. All you have is a typewriter. And I said, you know, if that computer was any good, you'd keep it for your department. The fact you want to give it to me tells me it's not very good. And looking at it, it looks like a dinosaur already. Well, there's no budget for your department. How are you going to get the computer you need? I said, easy. God will bring it. My faith in God will bring the computer we need and the printer we need. 
And we didn't put word out to anybody, didn't write letters, just prayed and believed God and told God we needed a computer. Did my homework, found out what kind of computer we wanted. I think back in that day, it was a 486DX. And uh, lo and behold, within a week, it came. And then we needed a printer, and we needed a laser jet printer. Back in those days, they had just come out there with about $1,000 a piece, and we declared the word of God, and here came the printer. And so we had over $2,000 worth of computer, printer, and didn't pay a dime out of our pocket because the department had no money. But God brought it through this anointing I'm going to teach you about tonight. So the anointing of increase will do things supernaturally. One other quick example was last summer, not this summer, the one before, we were in Tulsa driving our car, and the car started making funny noises. And to make a kind of a long story very short, we took it to the dealership. They diagnosed that the, they thought they probably threw a rod in the engine, and the engine was fried. They decided to put a brand new engine in the car at their expense, give us a rental car to get us back to New Jersey, ship the car with a new engine back to us at no cost to us, pay for the rental car. They spent between ten and $11,000 and not a penny came out of our pocket, and we got a brand new engine in our car. Why'd they do that? They wanted to see that old engine, see why that engine had gone 274,000 miles, because the longest one that had ever gone before that was 242,000. In other words, the anointing of increase will help you not only increase in your life, your cars will last longer, your possessions will last longer, the refrigerator will last longer. And you say, well, why is that important? Because then you can spend your resources on other things that you might have need of or desire to rather than those things. Now, I want to give you some guidelines before we get right into the, the meat of this message. If you're going to operate in the ministry in this anointing of increase, there's some things you cannot do. And I'm going to put these up front right away. If you're expecting increase and believing God for increase according to the Word of God, you, cannot no long, you can no longer say, we cannot afford that. It's not in our budget. That costs too much. Any negative words that show decrease, you can't speak those anymore. If you do, you're nullifying your faith. Any words that show doubt in God's ability to increase your life, you cannot say. Because that's not faith. That's doubt and unbelief. It's not on sale, cannot be a part of your vocabulary. That's too nice, meaning it's too nice for you to have. No, that cannot be a part of your vocabulary. Why is that important? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and the Bible tells us we can have what we say, but we have to believe those things that we say will come to pass according to the Word of God. And if we do that, then we'll get the results, the things we're believing for. Now, the message itself is coming from a text from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, these 11 verses. Let me start off in verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, him being Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, we're stopping right there. Notice the multitude were pressing upon him to hear the word of God. They were pressing upon him to hear the word of God, because up until now, whenever this man had preached, since he was baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist, miracles have happened. He just got done... Previous to this, not only healing Peter's mother-in-law, but doing other preaching engagements, and word got out that when he preaches, people get healed. So they were pressing upon him to hear the word of God. And we know Jesus is the anointing. Jesus is the word of God. And so made flesh. So knowing that, we know that when they pressed upon him, Jesus, his name means the anointed one and all his anointings. 
Jesus Christ means the anointed one and all his anointings. So they were pressing upon the anointing of God to hear God's word. And they stood by the lake of Gennesaret. That lake is a place of destiny. So wherever you're watching this from tonight is your place of destiny, your place where miracles can happen. He saw two boats standing by the lake. Remember two boats. That'll be important later. But the fishermen were gone out from them and were washing their nets. Remember the plural word nets here. We know from history that uh, those boats had minimally two nets in them, maybe as many as four. And uh, we know they definitely had more than one because this is the plural form of that word, nets. Now, having done that, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Notice he didn't ask Simon for permission. He just got into the boat. Now, they had been washing those nets because they were preparing for another day. And we'll find out why in just a few minutes. So they were doing what they knew to do as fishermen. But he took over Simon's ship. He got in without Simon's permission. And in doing so, he was breaking the law. He had no authority in the natural to do that. If you get on someone's ship that's not yours, they can throw you off because you're trespassing. There comes a time when Jesus just gets in your ship unannounced with you, comes into your life in a way, and starts taking over. And if you obey what he tells you to do, it puts you in line to have miracles happen in your life for the increase of God to come. You must allow him to do what he's been sent to do. And Simon, in this case, listened. And now he has a choice whether he's going to push out that boat a little from land with Jesus in the boat with him. And thank God he did. Jesus will give you steps to take, and as you take the steps, it puts you in position for the miraculous increase of God to come into your life. He goes on here and tells us that he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Now remember, Jesus Christ, Christ means the anointed one, his anointings. So when he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat, what was happening on the shore? The shore, the people were listening intently to what God was saying through Jesus, what Jesus was saying to them. And they were listening intently. And he goes on and says in verse 4, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon. He stopped talking to the crowd and turned to Simon. Now, there's a, here's a very key point in the principle of the anointing of increase. When the anointing of God shifts and changes direction and moves its attention away from the crowd to Simon, you have to know that you need to move with the anointing in the direction he's going. If you stay stuck where he was previously, you'll miss on the miraculous miracle that's about to happen as he changes direction. Now, as he was changing directions and, and talking to Simon, what's happening on the shore to the people? Well, it's obvious because every time this man's preached, from the time he was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, up until now, when he's done preaching to crowds, miracles are happening. So in the midst of miracles happening on the shore, Jesus turns away from those miracles and starts addressing Simon. He says to him, launch out to the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Notice the word nets. And so he's telling him to turn this boat around, launch out to the deep, and let down your nets for a catch. And in other words, when you put the nets down, you're going to catch some fish. You're going to catch some things you haven't caught before. Simon answered and said to him, verse 4, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. There in verse 5. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down the net. Now, notice the word net here. We see from previous verses, they were washing their nets. Jesus said to let down their nets. And yet, Simon said, we'll let down the net. That means one net. In other words, Simon himself was not convinced that Jesus knew what he's talking about. Simon's attitude, I think, was, we're fishermen. You're not. 
don't tell us how to fish, and we won't tell you how to preach. We'll leave the preaching to you, and you leave the fishing to us. You can kind of just see the attitude. That's why he only let down one net. Why? He didn't want to wash a bunch of nets again. He had already washed and put them in the, in the, in the uh, sea again and have them come up dirty and have to wash those things again. He didn't want to do that. So he had little to no faith at all. And he's basically saying this, what he said to, to Jesus, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Notice the word toil. You're never, you have never been called to toil. If you're toiling on your job, toiling in your life, toiling is part of the curse back in Genesis 1. When you're working where God wants you to work, when you're doing what God wants you to do, there's an anointing that carries you and enables you to do that. And you don't toil at your work, at your job, at your ministry. Why? Because it's dependent upon God himself, on Jesus and the anointing of God. And when you're working with the anointing of God and through the anointing of God, you don't toil. The fact they were toiling shows you they weren't using God's anointing to fish. And you can do that. And they weren't. And that's why they were toiling. And, and yet he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And in other words, Jesus, I'm just going to appease you to get you off my back. I don't want to hear any more about this. We're just going to kind of say some things so you'll be happy. And uh, we're not going to wash all these nets again. Again, he had very little or no faith at all. So it's a miracle that Jesus went on. But he's, he's going to ask uh, Simon to do some other things here in a few minutes. And we'll see if Simon obeys then. So it says here in the Bible, we're looking now, in verse 7, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Now, who are the partners in the other boat? Well, we can look down in verse uh, 10 and find out that they're James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Now, the interesting thing about these three guys, Simon, James, and John, if you would have picked out who would be the head of this fishing company, it would not have been Simon. It would have been John. John was the most prosperous disciple of all of them. In fact, he was wealthy. And uh, he was so well thought of in the business community. If you remember when Jesus was taken into Caiaphas to be accused, the Bible says John walked in right behind him in the same palace, and he was welcomed there. They knew not to touch John because he was so prosperous and such a great business person. John also knew he didn't have to be the head of every business. In some places, he was better if he partnered with people rather than be the owner. By partnering with Simon, Simon was responsible for the business. Uh, John here could just do his part and not be burdened down with entire business load. He could diversify himself and have more than one business and have businesses that would help and help do the things of God he needed to do. In fact, when they hung Jesus on the cross, the one disciple didn't run for his life and stayed at the cross was John. And Jesus said, John, your mother and mother, your son, looking at John is basically saying, John, take care of mom, I'm leaving. And mom, John will take care of you because he can't. And John did. The Bible teaches us that John did. Historians agree that he did as well. So seeing that John should have been the CEO, but he wasn't, he was a partner, Jesus always goes to the top level of authority in a business, in a ministry, in a church, in a home, in a family, to talk first. And he did not, he did not under or un, uh, undo his authority by going to a lower level of authority. He went to the highest level, the CEO of the company. And because of that, we see that Simon then is one has to answer to Jesus. And the Bible says here in verse 7, they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. Now, they'd been there out there all day and all night and hadn't caught anything, and now suddenly they're catching fish. They launched out into the deep, 
where there's all sorts of fish, but those fish weren't biting. What happened? What made those fish want to bite? And where'd they come from? Well, Jesus, remember, Jesus Christ means the anointed one, his anointings. When he sat in that boat, that boat was now anointed. That boat was sitting on water. That anointing went out in the water into the deep and brought fish to a certain location where these boats would be, and they caught boat-sinking loads of fish. Fish came from every place in that region. Big fish, small fish, just different types of fish. They all came together right there so they could be caught by Simon, James, and John. In other words, the anointing of increase has drawing power that will draw people and things and resources from the north, the south, the east, and the west, from heaven itself into your life, whatever you need today, whatever you need tonight, whatever you need tomorrow, and the next day, this week, this month, this year. It has a drawing power that anointing does. The word anointing means the presence and power of God manifested through His Spirit. And you never can have the power of God without first in having his presence. You can look throughout the Bible, you'll find one time where you see presence, I mean power before you see presence. Presence always precedes power. If we want to see more power in the church, more, more power in the body of Christ, we have to spend more time in his presence to usher in that power. And when we do that and the power of God comes, that's when the miracles of God happen and the glory of God will come. Now, having seen that in definition of what the anointing is, the anointing here went out into that water, brought those fish, and they caught these boat-sinking loads of fish. And Peter said this in verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down in Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. In other words, Simon Peter understood that he had nothing to do with this miracle. Jesus brought it, and it brought him to a point to worship Jesus. I'm telling you, when the anointing of increase hits your life, it will literally put you on your knees to worship Jesus, even times when you had little faith or no faith. And Jesus just shows up and gets in your boat with you and launches you out into the deep, and there's your miracle and brings it right to you. Your faith in God, yes, will bring miracles, but this shows a time, too, when they had almost no faith and God still worked. The little faith they had, which was probably like a grain of mustard seed, it worked for them, and Jesus took over the boat and brought them the miracle they had need of. In other words, when he got in that boat and they'd been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything, just get in the boat, Jesus was announcing to them, guys, it's a new season. I'm in the boat. What didn't happen for you will now happen because I'm here. I'm in the boat. I'm with you and I will bring the miracle you need. Going on, they were so astonished at that catch of fish, which they had, which they had taken. All of them were. It, made, it became a wonderment. We've talked about signs, wonders, and miracles. This is a wonder. No one could explain this one. They didn't say, this is what he taught us how to do this when we were by ourselves with him. Well, we didn't go to Bible school for this. Uh, no, this miracle, no one could explain it. But it still happened. And because it happened, that wonderment got, there and got them thinking a little bit about Jesus. He dealt with next, an interesting thing we see here in verse 10. He talks about James, John, who was sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then he says, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll catch men. Well, why in the world would Simon be afraid? He's a fisherman. He's not afraid of fish. Jesus wasn't talking about that. It's interesting what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about fishing. 
In fact, this whole story, these 11 verses have nothing to do with fish. The fish are an object lesson. Jesus, when he said to Simon, do not be afraid, from now on you'll catch men, he was looking ahead to the book of Acts. He was speaking prophetically to Simon and telling him, Simon, the day is going to be happening in the near future. Your name is going to be Peter, and you're going to preach two messages. Remember the two boats? They represent prophetically two messages that were coming later. And now those two messages, Peter is going to see 8,000 people saved. Glory to God. 8,000 people saved. And what Jesus was saying to him was, Peter, when that happens, when that happens to you, the same anointing that got the 8,000 people saved, that same anointing will put together a pastoral staff for you to be able to take care of the needs of those people. When that day happens, don't be afraid of how am I going to take this church of 8,000 people and meet their needs. The same anointing that brought them to you and got them born again and helped enlarge my kingdom, God was saying to him, that same anointing will help you put a staff together. I'll send them to you from wherever they have to come from. I'll be the one that directs them to you, and they'll be faithful to you, and they'll do what needs to be done to take care of the needs of those people. Isn't that wonderful? That's just like God. That's just like Jesus. The harvest is so big here, it's unbelievable. And when you look at the harvest in verse 11, it says, So when they had brought the boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. How could they do that? They all had families. They had kids to feed, a wife to take care of. They had bills of their own. How could they do that? It hasn't changed much. The market's kind of the same day it was in their day and time. The fishermen go out. They catch the fish. They bring them back. They sell them to the stores. We, the people, go into the stores and buy the fish, take it home and feed our families. That's the way it was back in their day. It's the way it is here. This catch of fish was so big that when they brought it to land and took it to the grocery stores and put it in the stores, they had so much money from people buying, the stores buying the fish from them that they were able to pay off all their bills. Simon could pay off every bill the fishing business had. There was money left over to put in the bank to take care of their families why they would travel with Jesus. And there, in other words, why they were doing the work of the ministry, their wives and children were not suffering because they were following Jesus. Jesus put that and those resources into their families before they left to go with him on the next journey so they could not be concerned about how their wives and kids were doing, but knowing they were fully taken care of because Jesus himself had brought these boatload of fishes to take care of them so they could have no obstacles in their way to follow him. You're one encounter away. You're one check away. You're one season away from having God completely revolutionize your life through the anointing of increase. This empowerment that comes from heaven upon us and from the word of God. When we see God wants us to increase, we believe God for increase. No matter what area of your life you need it in, he's there He's concerned about that area, and he wants to see you have the very best in that area. He wants to see you increase in that area to have the very best as, as a testimony to his goodness because he is a good God. So in looking at this a little further, that harvest being that big, some people would say, well, I just can't believe that. There's somebody watching this right now that God gave you a creative idea for a business, and you went out and did that business, and it failed. And, you, and you, it left you puzzled, wondering, I know I heard from God. I know he said do that business, but it didn't work. And you've never recovered from that. 
I'm telling you now by the by the Holy Ghost, the reason it didn't work, you didn't factor in the anointing of God when you did it. If you take the same idea and now do it through the anointing of God, it'll work. Because it was, you heard right, it was a God-given idea. And you can do that, but you'll have to use his anointing to do it with. You'll have to use his presence and power and manifest that through your business by his spirit, and it'll work. I could tell you just a couple of quick stories back in, in Tulsa when I was there for 33 years. We had a businessman, ORU grads. When I started business, the first day they rode bicycles, rode bicycles to their office. Years later, multimillionaires live in mansions. But you know how they got there? From the first week they had business, every week, the first check they cut was not to themselves and to their employees. They cut it to the church. They tithed every week to the church. Every week, God honored that tithe, honored that giving. And the increase of God came as they honored God in their giving as a business. If you're a business owner, I want to encourage you, tithe off your business. Give offerings off that business. Let the first check you cut is to God and the church you attend. Whether it's New Beginnings or somewhere else, let that be the place of blessing, to bless your pastor, bless your church. As you do that, you'll see the increase of God will continue. And these two guys now are multimillionaires. I know a couple other brothers who came to Tulsa, started a hearing aid business. And uh, who would think you could make money doing much in hearing aids? And they obeyed God and started the same thing. Start tithing the first week they started their business to the church, giving those offerings on top of that to the church. And guess what? Today they're both multimillionaires. More money they know what to do with, and they're a greater blessing to the body of Christ and to their churches and pastors than ever before. The anointing of the increase will put you in a position of never being on barely getting along street anymore, paying, going month to month, paying your bills. When you get into the anointing of increase, you'll have enough money at any time, any place, no matter where you're at, God will get the resources to you because of your faith in his principle of the anointing of God bringing the increase you have need of, no matter where you're at. During this time that's been unusual recently with the virus, me and my wife have not missed a beat. We haven't decreased anything. In fact, we've given more to ministries, more to churches now than we ever have at any time in our lives this summer. In fact, we were in, traveling in Oklahoma this summer and a church is having a building program. We're going to build a $5 million building. And uh, God spoke to our heart, and we gave a large check to that. Large check. I remember Oral Roberts saying, give, give a, a check that's big enough that it moves you into faith. And it moved us into faith, believe me. And we're grateful we could do it. We're grateful that God had increased so we could do it. We've never been without anything from toilet paper, that paper towels, whatever we needed. We've always had it. Why? Because we believe God for it. Because that don't increase will bring it to you. And when that anointing of increase brings that to you, then you have the ability to ha have it to where you can not only get your needs and desires met, but so you can meet the desires and needs of other people. There's no limitation on the anointing of increase. There's no limitations to it. You can believe God for things and to watch God bring those to pass in a way that will just reshape your entire life and your ministry. Don't allow words of doubt to creep in. Don't allow tell people to tell you. I know people used to think that and it never worked for them. Be the one that says, I'm going to believe the Word of God no matter what. As I believe God's Word, what I see in the Bible, He did for others, He'll do for me. Factor in the anointing in everything you do, in your family, in your children, your grandchildren, in your business, in your occupation, in your education. Factor it in. If you do, young people, let me tell you, you can see the anointing of God bring things to you 
that your parents can't give you. Your parents are not your source. And I taught this to my children, and we were believing God for cars, and uh, I believe God for cars. I, I don't go to a lot and buy a car. That's nothing wrong if you do. That's fine. That's the world system. If you want to put down down payment, make monthly payments, you can. But I saw when the Bible said to owe no man anything but to love him, and that the borrower is subject to the lender. Well, I decided God showed me if I could believe him for a dollar, I could believe him for a car. And it's not that great a difference. In fact, there's no difference. It's just a matter of faith. And as I grew my faith, I planted the first car before I went to Bible school. He told me to give a car to a family across town in western Kansas, and we did that. And when we had need of a second car, once we hit Tulsa, God brought us a second car. It was given to us. And that's gone on time and time again. So I taught my sons that. And my oldest son got to be about 15. He said, Dad, you know I'm almost 16. And I said, yeah, Josh, Dad's not buying your car. He said, what? I said, I'm not buying your car. But I will pray and agree with you that God will bring you a car. Well, he said, pray. I took his hand. And I said, Josh, let's agree. According to the word of God, where two or three gather together in his name, he's there in the midst of us. And whatever we ask, we'll have of him because we are believing what the Bible tells us. And whatsoever we believe, when we speak it, we will have it. He said, let's pray. And so we prayed a short 30-second prayer and went, amen. Less than a week, I get a phone call. And it happens to be an uncle. No one knew Josh needed a car. No, but we didn't tell anybody. You can't manipulate this. That's not God. Manipulation is better than fear, and that's of witchcraft. So we don't do that. They hadn't told anybody. Get a call within less than a week. An uncle up north, they said, we were praying, and God said to us to give our car, one of our cars, to Josh. Does Josh need a car? And I said, God, I said, Josh could use a car. Why? Well, we're going to give him our car. It was a 1990 Red Grand Am, <laughs> and I remember when that car came. And the, the, the tragic thing for Josh was he wasn't 16 yet. He couldn't drive it. He had to watch Dad drive it for six months. The car came six months ahead of his 16th birthday, so he had to watch me drive it for six months. And then, of course, he was eager once he turned 16 and got his driver's license to drive it. Back in that day, you could get a driver's license 16 in Oklahoma. What am I saying to you? God brought him a car before he even needed it. He didn't make payments. You didn't have to go buy a car off a lot. It was free and clear. When God's involved in things, when it comes to the financial things, he gives you a choice to go the world's way or go to his way. His way may, uh, the devil tried to tell you, believing God will take longer for it to get to you. Don't believe that lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Just because you're believing God doesn't mean it's going to take longer for you to get it. From the time you start believing until the time it arrives, in that season, you get to a point, based on God's word, where you're praising God for the answer. And when you can praise him for the answer before you have it, it won't take long for you to have it. I learned that from Brother Hagin years ago. So understanding the premise of faith, believe and receive. And in between, thank God and praise God for it. And when you do, it'll be there soon. Know that. And bring us to a conclusion, I want to encourage you. Use your faith. Believe God. Know that God's with you. He sees ahead. He knows everything you're facing, what you're about to face. And before we go tonight, no matter what you've been through, there's an empowerment of God waiting upon you, waiting for you so he can increase your life. Allow Jesus to take over your life. Let him instruct you and watch your life change. He's never failed. You can trust Jesus. 
Factor in the anointing and watch your miracles start today. Let me pray for you. If you're sitting there watching this, just reach out your hands towards uh, the TV or whatever you're watching on, phone, iPads, whatever it is. I want to pray for you. Because this anointing doesn't come off one person. It doesn't come from me laying hands on you. It comes from heaven itself. Lord Jesus, we pray for our friends today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the God of all. And that Jesus, you, you are the one that has started and brought the increase into all of our lives. We thank you what you have started, you're going to finish. You are the author and the finish of our faith. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for every person watching. You know the, their most urgent needs they have, their most urgent desires. Lord, increase that area, particularly right now, as they believe you. And Father, from this moment on, let them never speak a word that brings decrease to their lives. Let them only say the words of increase. If they can't say increase, just let them zip their lip. Holy Spirit, guard over our mouths. Don't allow us to speak decreasing words or negative words. Let us catch it by the Spirit of God before we do, and then turn that word that we don't speak into a word of increase. Now, God of heaven, Jesus, we thank you by your Spirit. You now fall upon every person watching this, and now that none of the increase is upon them. And as they walk in it, Father, we thank you that they'll be a greater example to the body of Christ and to the world of what a child of God looks like, what the increase of God looks like upon their lives, and how you, with them, bring the abundant life to them as we walk in it. We thank you. Abundance comes and lack goes. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen and amen. I want to encourage you, get back into Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Go back into Psalms that I told you about earlier. You know, Psalm 115, verse 14, John 10, 10. There's a, a whole slug full of other verses that show increase in God. If you just do a word study on the increase, you'll be, it's phenomenal how much you're going to find in there. But listen, faith without works is dead. Put your faith to work, believe God for increase, and watch the miracles start. On behalf of Pastor Joe and New Beginnings, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.